0: Homeschool Expert is here to equip you to homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. Visit homeschoolexpert.com for video and print resources. Helping you homeschool confidently is our host, Ann Crossman, and her guest expert for today's special broadcast. Hi, friend, and welcome to Homeschool Expert. I am glad you're joining our conversation today with Robin Benoit, author of Jillian's story, How Vision Therapy Changed My Daughter's Life, about what she and I both wish we'd known years ago about eyesight and the developmental needs of our kids. Robin's book was recommended to me by two highly regarded optometrists for our family when we ran into some challenges with my daughter's vision post surgery since then Robin and I have collaborated on a couple blogs about our experiences with our children's vision challenges in the hopes that we can help parents access support sooner in the process Robin has her degrees in journalism and public relations has published two books on the subject of vision therapy and is sought after by specialists to provide a personal perspective to this otherwise challenging field Robin it's a pleasure to have you here today thank you so much For being on the show.
1: Thank you, Anne. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure, of course. Okay, so I remember when I think back the first time I read your book, it was one of those rare, resonating kinds of moments when at the time I felt like I was all alone, blazing this trail with three of our four kids who had struggled with something that's commonly thought of as lazy eye. And we'd gone through all the traditional patching programs, and even at the end of them, our children still struggled. If I'm honest, you know, at times I felt like a helicopter mom going back to the ophthalmologist saying, yes, but at the age of 10, he still can't catch a ball. Uh, and them telling me he was fine when those yellow flags were waving in the back of my mind, saying something is still not quite fine. So your book came in at that moment, not only as an encouragement, but to validate that I wasn't crazy to keep pressing the question and to try some unique therapies that we were just going to start for our daughter. So as you and I can talk about today. These therapies can really work, but before we get into the solution side of the conversation, I'd love for us to dive into our personal story a bit more, uh, the challenge side of the conversation to bring our friend listening into this conversation with us. I should also probably add at this point, for the sake of lawyers and insurance companies listening, that we're not giving out medical advice in this podcast. We are just two parents talking about our experiences these past 16 years and helping our children see. So Robin, you're not a trained optometrist, neither am I, but how did you end up in this subject area? And can you tell us a little bit more about Jillian's story?
1: Sure. Um, You know, it's interesting, a degree in journalism where I went to school years ago was a bachelor of science degree, and I took lots and lots of science courses, and I have kind of that sort of mind, Mm -hmm. and I was fascinated as my daughter Jillian went through vision therapy, amazed at the changes in her, the progress that she was making, amazed at how they uh, conducted vision therapy. The whole thing just really fascinated me. Mm. And the way that this all came about is that I was interested really in trying to write the book I wish I could have found when I was just like you were describing looking for answers, feeling that I'd been given answers, but still had concerns. Mm. And I just really wanted to go out and do something that was advocate. That was an advocacy type of project. And it just ended up being a
0: book. Mm. I think that's a lot. That's the way a lot of great books are born. We wish we could find it on the shelf somewhere. (laughs) I know that's been true for some of the ones I've written, like, where is it? And then, we just have to learn the hard way and then write it for somebody else. So, so kind of take us back to the beginning then. Um, when did you discover that Jillian needed this eye therapy and what was the effect for her? I mean, cause when, for the average parent or even non-parent, when we're thinking eye therapy, we're thinking, oh, it's, you know, 2015 vision or 2030 vision, and maybe glasses are required or contacts and voila, eye therapy, but we're talking about something much larger than that. So what was what, was, what were her eye challenges and what cued you in that something more might be needed?
1: Well, she was, it, I'd say the very first line of my book is that it all started with the letter P. Mm. And it was P day at preschool and she wore pajamas. It was all about painting and pink and purple. And they had all kinds of snacks that began with a P. And uh, at one point they uh, were going to pretend to be pirates And they put a patch over one of her eyes to pretend to be a pirate, and she fell to the ground crying and screaming. Mm. And this was a big surprise to my husband and I, because Jillian had gone through four vision screenings, two at her preschool and two at her pediatrician's office, and no one had indicated that she had a vision problem. And she was legally blind in one eye. How in the world did she get through four vision screenings and no one knew it? Um, so it, it, that's how we landed, uh, on Jillian having a vision problem, that how we found vision therapy is a whole different subject.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then, I mean, clarify this for us too, if you can, vision is, is about more than just seeing. So as she's moving from preschool into early elementary, beyond the, the act of reading an eye chart, how are you, how were you seeing that vision Um, challenges were sort of seeping into other areas of her life?
1: Well, at preschool, they had mentioned that they thought she might have a little bit of a learning uh, developmental delay, is Mm -hmm. how they put it. She had trouble um, cutting with scissors. Um, She didn't want the teacher to hang her artwork because it wasn't as pretty as Mm -hmm. the other kids. She didn't color within the lines. I mean, there were just things, but she was so bright so verbally smart and it just never added up that it was a vision problem she wasn't very clumsy a little slightly clumsy um but not tremendously so um she had learned to compensate for a lot even in just those first four or five years of her life and it took a while to peel those layers off
0: I'm glad you mentioned that the compensation factor, just kids in general, general are so um, resilient. That word's really a popular word right now, but it's true. They learn to accommodate um, and fool us, not because they're trying to deceive us, but because that's how human survival tends to work for those who end up surviving, and so we ran into something kind of similar. So in our family, we have two boys and two girls, and we had been through quite a few optometrist appointments by the time we got to our daughters. So that I knew the drill and what age to, you know, they start looking for strabismus, amblyopia, or lazy eyes. We're talking about it today, and um, even with one of our girls, when they gave her her um, her prescription for glasses. And I went home and typed into the computer, what, what does someone with this vision, like these numbers for their prescription, what does the letter chart look like to them? One of her eyes is pretty much completely blind. And I just started to cry because I never had any inkling from her now that she's age three, that she couldn't see me with half of her head. And so, yes, if she had put on a pirate's patch, she would have been completely blind and even to this day, uh, when we take her skiing, she wears a vest that says visually impaired because if someone skis up fast on her weak eye side, it's scary for her because she can't register their distance fast enough to protect herself. And and yeah, they they somehow find a way to accommodate and make it through without us realizing there's even a problem because they don't know otherwise. So it's up to us as parents, yes, to look and to be good detectives, but then at the same point not to beat ourselves up over it because Neither party knows something is off. <laughs> um, so let me let me tackle this this phrase, lazy eye, for a minute, just so that people don't feel that our friend listening doesn't feel left out by the terms that we're using. Um, lazy eye is a little bit of a misnomer, as you and I know, Robin. Prior to parenthood, I thought it was something obvious I could recognize and see for myself, but it, it's really way more than that. Technically, uh, doctors refer to it as strabismus and strabismus emblopia, which is the one that Jillian had.
1: Jillian has amblyopia
0: with no strabismus at all. Okay. So we have, and we have the merging of the strabismus amblyopia. So, Mm -hmm. um, basically the idea for, for all three of those, it's some variants where that brain selects one eye to use as its primary and either disregards or can't even use the information sent in by the other eye. Um, so two of my three kids who did not have a visually apparent weaker eye, meaning I'm not seeing any eye rolls when I looked at them, but when we tested them, all three, uh, got information solely from one eye and not from the other. So beyond the beauty of being able to see through two eyes, can you help explain in layman's terms, Robin, um, about the importance of using both eyes at the same time or what optometrists are referring to as binocular vision? Like, why does that matter if you have one eye that works? Is that like one kidney that works and you're fine or or what?
1: No, I mean, really, it's interesting because lazy eye is not meant to describe an eye that um, doesn't stay straightly aligned. It's really talking about an eye that's not working to its full potential. So when you're trying to use one eye and not two, um, your eyes are meant to take in images from both eyes and merge them together in your brain. And then your brain spits out to you a 3D image that combines this all together. Without that 3D combined binocular image, we do not have peripheral vision, which is what you were just talking about with your child on the ski slopes. Mm -hmm. And we don't have depth perception. And without depth perception, we cannot judge distance, which children start showing really early on a playground, perhaps Um, maybe just being more cautious than being clumsy. Mm -hmm. um, avoidance of games, not wanting to catch, kick, throw. Um, there's just a lot of things that you can see. And even teenagers, if they get through the system somehow through their compensation skills, driving is a big, big, um, revelation when it comes to not having binocularity. We need both of our eyes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Correct. We somehow, I managed to make it like you're saying to driving age before my parents realized I had a weaker eye. And it was the moment I was driving my mother over the bridge and said, do you ever feel like you can just fall right off the side? And she's like, pull over, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It just had never registered prior to then. Um, I don't know if this has been true for Jillian either, but you, you know, you mentioned some of the ways it can present itself either. I'd love for us to like hover over that for a minute. So I can share my example. And then maybe if that you know, ticks off an idea for you if you want to jump in uh, with Jillian as well. So our kids, we noticed actually a decrease in social confidence for a while with one kiddo in particular um, did not want to ever leave my side or engage with peers or play, even if it was a super safe, familiar, fun environment. Uh, And it was only when I realized later this child almost couldn't see at all that that's why you know, she's attached to my hip is because without me, there is sort of her, you know, wand or guidance stick. She has no idea where in the universe she actually is. And that's terrifying. Um, understandably so. So we saw social conf- confidence, challenges, um, for sure, athletic challenges, but then we saw memory diffic- difficulties which never really registered in the pediatrician tests that we had run or sort of the traditional eye tests, but that she couldn't remember what she ate for breakfast. Not that breakfast is that important necessarily to catalog, but um, she couldn't remember what her grandparents' house looks like, even though we go there multiple times a year. She, anything she hadn't seen for over a week, she couldn't bring to physical memory. And that showed up like first, second grade when we really started you know, paying attention to the fact she doesn't remember math concepts that we've taught her from last week. And it wasn't a lack of intelligence of her part, or laziness. It's just that whatever connects the the eye to the brain and helps uh, visualize as part of memory was, is broken. So yes. has, has Jillian had anything like that where you're, you're like, this is, wow, eyes are, eyes are doing a lot more than just seeing, like I thought.
1: Oh, for sure. I, similar along those same lines, Um, it's visual memory. Mm. And I didn't even know that this existed for a long time. And then I studied about it. And it's basically the ability, your brain wants to take a picture. And if the picture is faulty, or blurry, or there's anything wrong with that picture, then your brain doesn't take a photograph of it, and it doesn't save it for you. Right. And that's why this issue is there. So we need the acuity and the focus to be strong, so that they can take a good, strong visual memory with their brain, and then stamp it, if you will, and keep it there for them. Um, Jillian, you know, we, we you circled in about the um, self confidence. And I'm going to hit one called, and just say Mm self-esteem. And it just broke my heart so many times to hear her say that she was dumb or that she was born without the same talent as other children. And that's just heartbreaking for a mother to hear their child say those things about themselves. And Mm -hmm. so, yes, there are many, many steps to this beyond just seeing
0: Right. Yeah. And I would say that for our kids too, that, that whole feeling really stupid, they would say of themselves, or I can't draw as well as so-and-so, or I can't throw or catch as well. as so, and so, therefore I'm never going to be able to fill in the blank. Um, yeah, it sort of was, became contagious to a lot of different areas in life that I wouldn't have attributed Um, to this, I mean, certainly there's the obvious connection to that, uh, optometrists will say that vision left untreated or binocularity left ignored can lead to all kinds of learning disabilities. But, um, even then it's just required some extra effort on, on our part. And I'm sure on your yours and Jillian's as well, um, we didn't give up trying. And so it's not like she's cursed for life to never be able to draw a stick figure. Um, you know, she sorted it out. It just took some coaching in some ways. So now that we've sort of identified some of the challenges of learning or body movement or self-confidence that vision challenges can add into that picture, I'd love to talk about some of the solutions that are out there what for you was vision therapy? And, and I'll explain what ours looked like, you know, later, but both in terms of patching as well as binocular therapy, you know, what versions did you try for Jillian to get help and, and what really worked? Cause there seems to be a lot of misunderstanding about, um, what vision therapy can be, especially as far as what insurance says is real or not real therapy. And, um, would love your thoughts on that.
1: Uh, Well, I do need to say Jillian did vision therapy um, 12, 10, 12 years ago now. Mm -hmm. And um, so it has changed a lot in the, in those years. And um, I will say that at times I was really impressed with the equipment that was used the computer equipment, the vectograms, the core, the standing gyroscopes. You know, there's yes. different different pieces that you don't see at just any office that they use there. Um, but there were times that they would just use like a little mini trampoline or a balance beam or a ball on a string or things that seemed very um, elementary mm-hmm. and yet they were very effective. And so, what vision therapy looked like for Jillian is that she went into the office to work with her vision therapist, um, and it was overseen by her optometrist two times a week, uh, for 45 minutes each. I pulled her out of school two days a week to go do that. Um, she was going to school by then by fourth grade. And, um, she would work with them there and I would watch so that I could reconstruct the kind of things that they wanted her to do at home. And then five nights a week, we did exercises at home and in the house. And, um, sometimes it was like her to lay down on the carpet and make snow angels and talk herself through the right side, left side, her movement balance, her vestibular system was also very affected by her amblyopia. So it was a lot of training the brain, the eyes, and the body to all work together and come together.
0: Right. And, and to your snow angel, that's funny. Cause we had that same, uh, exercise for one of ours. I remember one of our kids lying on the floor. And, and so, so friend listening, you can visualize a child on their back, uh, lying on the floor face up. And I would say, you know, move your right arm. And so they're supposed to wave it like a snow angel and then move your left leg. And, um, then wave it like a snow angel, but then I'd get to a certain arm or a certain leg and wave it. And they were not able to do them. So if I said, move both your right and your leg and your right arm, right? So both on your right side, couldn't do it. Or if I asked to go cross body, sometimes she couldn't do it. And it was, as I watched her do these exercises, I don't know if you felt this way, Robin, I, I hadn't realized the severity of of her coordination challenges until I started doing these exercises at home and Holy cow, she can't pop a bubble with her left hand. Like what (laughs) How did I miss this all these years? And after a week or two of practicing popping bubbles with her left hand, she's able to do it. And I know it's, it's easy to look at that and say, well, that's sure is a, you know, important life skill. It's like, well, yes, it actually is. If we think about what we need to be able to do with both hands and it's more than popping bubbles. Um, but was that true for you when you watched her do these exercises of, all the time. Wow. That's hard.
1: Oh man. I would stand behind her and watch her and think, why can I do these things so easily? And she can't do them. Why? And all the time. And, um, and also, you know, she would use, I don't know if you, your children use these like red and green glasses to where if one eye is suppressing the image and you're not using your binocularity, then the the story just disappears. The Mm -hmm. words won't show up to them. And I'd be standing behind her looking at the story and I could read it beginning to end. And she couldn't, there were big gaps in there because when she was not using both of her eyes where she should, like she should, um, it was obvious. And over a period of time, we were able to correct those problems.
0: Yeah. And that was it for us too. With practice, she could manage that skill. I think the part that I thought was really cool about the monocular vision therapy was, um, at least our doctor had said there's no age limit. So opposed to patching, which we also did, um, patching, you know, and this is currently it could change over time but patching right now they're saying you know 8 to by 8 to 10 years of age it no longer does any good to patch over one eye to force the brain to use the weaker eye but with with binocular vision therapy um my child's doctor said I could even come in uh you know I mentioned the falling off the bridge story a moment ago she said when you're ready you can come in and I'll give you some exercises and it's going to make you want to throw up some of them because you're going to have to work on your vestibular you know it, you know whatever issues and but you're never too old. And that was kind of hopeful for me too, to think this is something that's ongoing that my kids can continue to strengthen themselves in. And it's not like a one shot and whoops, well, there was your chance. Um, did right. you guys do patching also, Robin, with Jillian?
1: Good, but gosh, you're gonna open up a big can of worms with that. I know. Quite opposed to it to be honest i am an advocate for patching in conjunction with a vision therapy program but i am not this is where jillian went so wrong and this is where a lot of my book goes and describes our situation she was patched 11 hours a day for three years from the age of five to uh almost nine and looking back on that i think that that was just cruel and unusual punishment And that's, those are the years we homeschooled because she was mm-hmm. trying to learn with her weak eye and only her weak eye. And they wanted her in a patch all day. Yeah. And so, um, when we got her out of her patch, uh, I was told that her right eye was 2020 20, and her left eye was 2040 plus two, I think they said. And, um, that was the best she was going to get, That that was really, really good. But yet we continued to see so many problems with Jillian, mm-hmm. especially learning related. And that's when we stumbled across vision therapy and uh, our doctor, Dr. Horning, our optometrist, uh, when he evaluated her, he told me she has double vision. She has no depth perception. She mm-hmm. has no peripheral vision. And I thought I left the ophthalmologist office feeling like, We had gone as far as we could go and she was good to go. Yep. And um, I remember being one of those helicopter kind of moms one day. (laughs) I took her back in to see the ophthalmologist. And this is how I found vision therapy. I will absolutely Mm. get to this. He came in and he said, "Um, what can I do for you today, Mrs. Benoit? Like I was bothering him. Mm -hmm. And I explained, you know, that Jillian was feeling nauseated at school during math Mm. and escaping the room and, and all these problems. And he took a look and said, well, I don't see any changes now. If you'll excuse me, I have other patients to see. And his hand Mm. was on the doorknob before I could even get a question out of my mouth. And I just drove home so angry and so Mm. lost and so, like frustrated that I wanted to help my child. And I remember just crying, I poured myself a Diet Coke and I sat at the (laughs) computer and I said, okay, God, where are we going to go? And it wasn't immediate. I don't mean to imply that, but over a period of time and a period of research over many days, maybe weeks, I discovered vision therapy. And we Mm -hmm. found our doctor who changed her life, really. If, If patching in and of itself is not going to solve The problems that come from amblyopia, it may turn on your left eye or your right eye, but it's not going to help create your binocular vision, nor address anything
0: else. Yeah. And, and I'm totally happy to piggyback with you on that, with us still both waving our parent flag and saying, yeah, we're not medical. Uh, This is not a medical professional, but, but um, yeah, we had that same experience with our son who actually achieved 2020 vision in both eyes after patching for whatever it was, like you said, three or four years of so many hours a day, which by the way is miserable. Have you ever put a patch on yourself? I have, and it's horrible. It's It's horrible. It's so, it's like the worst seasick, uh, claustrophobic kind of feeling. And to think this kiddo has to feel that so many hours for so many weeks on end. Uh, But nonetheless, we thought we were doing the right thing. And so we, uh, you know, he did years of patching, got 20, 20 in both eyes. And he's the one who still can't catch a ball, who can't walk on the curb without falling off, even into his early teens, um, who is having trouble with executive functioning or, or, you know, various confidence issues. It's like, what is going on here? I thought we had 20, 20 vision. It's because we had, we had told both eyeballs to work as if they're in a tube, right? Each eye in a separate tube, but we never actually asked them to work together as a team. And, uh, you know, he was able to go in for vision therapy for, I don't know, four to six months and I hesitate to use the word cured, but basically he he's great now. He, he can, Oh, before he couldn't even go upstairs, we'd go to the mall and he was terrified at the second floor with the glass, you know, barriers. Cause he was just certain he was going to fall over the edge into the center part of the mall. So he would hug the wall wailing to please go back downstairs at the age of like seven or eight. My heart broke for this kid, but I had no idea. What, I thought he was putting on a show or trying to get attention. I, I, we hardly ever went to the mall. So it wasn't a super big deal, but um, our I remember the day that his vision therapy was far enough along that we went someplace. He hopped on the escalator and took it up. And I just stared at him. I said, you're on an escalator. He goes, yep. I said, no, you don't get it. You're on an escalator. <laughs> like, This is massive. I need fireworks. Um, he couldn't do that before. And it was just kind of like, yep, now it's normalized. It's, it's completely fine in his head because of the binocular treatment that he received. So yes, sometimes our vision therapists will throw in a patch for Um, an exercise or two or a brief period of time. But the goal is to get both eyes working together. And it sounds like you've had that same experience.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We so the if same you're
1: mother on different parts
0: in different parts of the <laughs> I know where were you, Robin? I needed you earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, I've, I've heard you mention this before though, and it's on your website. So I'd love for you to hit on it here too. That when you talk about Jillian's story, sometimes people ask you for proof that vision therapy, particularly binocular vision therapy, works because it's kind of—I mean, it's not really a new thing, but it's not considered part of the traditional mainstream you know, medical establishment. So when they ask you for proof, what do you tell them?
1: Um, Jillian came up with the answer to this herself when she was a little girl. Uh, She said, people are the proof. Mm. And so that's why we made a point of trying to write as many success stories as we could. And now there's over 200, at least, articles out there about people and their experiences with vision therapy because every program is individualized for what that person needs to achieve. Mm -hmm. And you can't just say vision therapy is X and this equation, you know, you come up with, you know, plus Y and you come up with an answer. It's individualized. And I think that the people... Who are successful at it are the proof. Mm -hmm. And I think the more stories that we can share, the more people that can, like your family, come out and say, Hey, vision therapy has made a really big difference in the lives of my children. I think that fellow parents listen to that. I think I hope people listening to this podcast feel like we're just moms. We're just as much, you know, everyday people um, as can be who have reached out with a story to help others and help them find their path, you know, hopefully faster than you and I did.
0: Right. And a story that that parents can hear and still decide for themselves, no, I don't think we're going to go the route that Ann and Robin are talking about. Great. That's totally fine. But at least you have the ability to Hear an alternative story and make that choice for yourself. Whereas for me, I was going to a super well respected, award winning, you know, blah, 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 Seattle um, eye surgeon for children and been seeing this doctor for years. And our daughter had even had eye surgery, um, which is a whole other can of worms as you said we we won't even go into but that was like oh well and and when she just wasn't ever progressing going to that doctor and saying okay we have tried everything right there's nothing left and she said no there's nothing left i said okay now this is your kid what are you going to try like she had cuz she had a 2 year old at the time i said mom's you know you, you know mom's i don't we don't give up now what do we do and she goes honestly i've heard about this thing on the fringes it's a little whack doodle called vision therapy i can't guarantee it This binocular you know you could try it, but sometimes it's just a scam. And that was my introduction to vision therapy. And that
1: just is so infuriating to me because it's yeah. not quackery. It's not yeah. a scam. It's not any of those things. It's, it's reputable. It works. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think um, we have to be open-minded as moms sometimes to look for answers outside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if we don't have a cookie cutter kid then we need to be able to keep our minds open to look for other means of helping our kids, our children. Yeah.
0: And probably less of our kids are cookie cutter than we even think they are <laughs> too once we're once we get it all the way through it. So we've we've sort of referenced and hinted at your books. Can you tell us what's on your website and where what your books are so that if the friend listening says, you know what I need to hear some more of these stories. Where could they find more information?
1: Sure. Um the website is Jillianstory.com. And we have two books. The first one that you've talked about today is Jillian's Story How Vision Therapy Changed My Daughter's Life. And the second one is Dear Jillian, Vision Therapy Changed My Life Too. And that book is about 22 people men, women, boys, girls, all ages. And for a variety of reasons, people who sought out vision therapy, whether it was for after a traumatic brain injury, a stroke, whether it was a child who uh, had. learning problems, whether it was sports related. Um, I have met many people whose children are frustrated that they can't hit a baseball or they can't catch a ball when all the kids in the neighborhood can. And sometimes they seek support in that way. Um, So here's just a book that is nothing more than success story upon success story, why they went to vision therapy, what happened, um, one of my favorites in the book of Dear Jillian is an optometrist who discovered he had a vision problem during optometry school hmm. because he couldn't use one of the pieces of equipment because it required strong binocularity, kind of like a microscope to yeah. look through. And uh, he discovered at that point, so he was enrolled in vision therapy while he was in optometry school. And uh, boy, he has a strong. Um, empathy for I patients bet. to come to him because he really, really gets it.
0: Yeah, I bet he does. Uh, I think I remember reading an, an article recently. I don't recall if this was in your book or just an article posted alongside of it in our optometrist's office, but about a um, uh, army veteran in his forties who was having a lot of PTSD challenges and somehow got connected to this optometrist was getting vision therapy and the significant reduction in stress levels for him so that the PTSD also was lessened. And it's his whole story he wrote in the first person about, he never thought in all his life that this would, this would have any relationship or it would work. And it did.
1: It did. I mean, I've heard this before and, and also juvenile delinquency is a really Mm -hmm. Children get frustrated. Yeah, they, have. they give up on themselves and they just give up on life. And sometimes their behavior goes the wrong way. And a lot of it is undiagnosed vision problems because, you know, one in four children are undiagnosed with vision problems that could be, you know, corrected.
0: Yeah, and if I'm thinking how you describe Jillian in math class, she's feeling nauseated. If if year after year I'm in math class feeling seasick and nobody's listening to me and I can't even function, let alone understand what's on the board, I'm going to want to throw a chair through a window at some point too. Um, yes. It makes perfect sense why kids would consider learning secondary to just getting through the day.
1: Exactly. Jillian started noticing people, uh, fellow classmates herself, especially about the junior high age. I remember one day I got a call from a professor, uh, a teacher at the junior high. who was also uh, the football coach, I think. And Mm -hmm. he said, I just wanted to ask you about this. Jillian says that this young boy has got undiagnosed vision problems. (laughs) I want to know. And I said, well, what's going on? And he said, well, she just keeps telling me, look at his handwriting. It's obvious. He's writing down the center of the page and not side to side. And look at this and look at his behavior and look how he can answer your questions, but he can't write them down.
0: Oh, good for her.
1: He was just nailing it left and right. And he said, should I listen to her? She's like 14 years old. And I said, yes, you should listen to her. And, um, he talked to the parents and they took their son in for uh, a comprehensive eye exam and discovered that he had convergence insufficiency Hmm. and that's the inability to maintain your inward eye aim which is we all need to read we all have to turn our eyes in the closer something is to our face
0: so
1: uh yeah i mean that's
0: it, that's Good it for her for speaking up. That's fantastic. And for the parents for giving it a try after, you, like you said, a 14-year-old recommended it. I mean, yeah. that takes some humility to do that. That's great.
1: Yes. Open mind.
0: Yes. So then, you know, this is the question I'm sure parents are wondering as they listen, is she cured, like in air quotes, or able to fully function in her studies or sports or social world, or you know, if, if we're going to even turn it differently, what kind of hope can we give parents whose kids might be struggling with vision issues?
1: Oh, let me give you tremendous hope here. Let me tell you about Jillian today. She just turned 22, and she is about to graduate from college with a degree in human sciences, child and family development, She has a 3.75 grade point average.
0: That's incredible. And
1: she is about to take her entrance exam and apply for optometry school. Yay, (laughs) we need her. (laughs) She wants to be a vision therapy doctor. She wants to really specialize in pediatrics. Mm. She has achieved everything she's ever worked hard for. And I think the thing about vision therapy, Anne, that really speaks to me is that it just... Took away the roadblocks that were there. And once the roadblocks were out of Jillian's way, she soared and she just took off. Because as long as she's willing to work hard for it, she can achieve anything that she wants in life. And so... She is a huge success story to this day. And somebody asked me once if we'd ever write a third book. And I jokingly said, maybe Dr. Jillian from her <laughs> own perspective. And yeah. now that's coming closer and closer. I can just see that being on the horizon someday. And um, she has never needed two naps. She's never needed extra support. Hmm. She um, She's done really, really well. I mean, she just has... I don't even know more than surprised. That's not even the right way to put it, but she has definitely surprised me and I think herself. She's um, got a great attitude. Her self-esteem is just right on par with where it should be. Um, She's a delight.
0: So I'm I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Congratulations to you all. That's a team success story. I know the parent role is so many hours behind the scenes on that. So honestly, Robin, my hat's off to you. And when Dr. Jillian comes out as a book, please hail us so we can promote that. In fact, your book right now is promoted as one of the resources for parents uh, on homeschool expert, because I think it's something all parents should read so that we know what to look for in our kids or our kids' friends as Jillian did in her classmates. And, and that's just part of being a good community member. So I want to circle back then a little bit earlier where you said you were homeschooling early elementary years while she was undergoing a lot of this vision therapy. Uh, What did you do to supplement her education while you were spending all this time? Because it is a lot of time, you know, when you add it all up um, on vision therapy, were you worried she was going to get behind academically or, you know, never going to be able to read or, or how did you sort of counterbalance some of that?
1: Well, I had not planned to homeschool. Uh, it was not something that we had ever discussed, ever thought about. And basically, I got a call from her kindergarten teacher uh, at a private school who said that they wanted to hold Jillian back and not put her into first grade because they mm. said she wasn't able to really um, write with her pencil well to spell words, you know, and that using wearing a patch created um, some issues for her in the classroom and. Uh, my husband and I thought about it for a long time and talked to Jillian about it and consulted a few other people and decided, no, we weren't going to hold her back into kindergarten, but we would homeschool and see where she was capable of going. And I enrolled her th- in the Calvert school, which is mm-hmm. a, a, learning homeschooling program. They have an actual school in Baltimore and I enrolled her in the Calvert school because I didn't know Uh, what curriculum to pick. I I needed more of a structure for us. And so I used them and the virtual teaching option that they had so that other teachers were looking at Jillian's work as well. And I pulled uh, at the time Jillian was first grade and her big sister Annalise was in third. And we took Annalise out of school and homeschooled her alongside Jillian. So I was working through first and third grade, second and fourth grade, et cetera, with two children. And we did, um, quite a bit of oral, um, as Jillian got to where she could see better. I used the computer a little bit more. Um, and we read a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I read to her a lot and Uh, We took it slow. I mean, there were times I think that probably some parents got through these lessons much quicker than we did, but we took it slow. And uh, I supplemented them with uh, PE at the YMCA. And, you know, I remember the first day we went there, I dropped them in the gym and I went upstairs to work out and I was on the elliptical machine or the treadmill or something. And there was this big window and I could see the kids in the gym below me. And they were playing dodgeball and Gillian was just standing in the middle of this gym screaming because balls are coming at her and she can't... Uh-huh them till they're right in front of her face, or they were coming yeah. from her peripheral vision. And I ran down the stairs like my shoes were on fire and blazed into that room, only to discover she wasn't really crying; she was screaming and squealing, laughing. <laughs> I thought it was so funny, and I thought, "Oh, How this is funny. It's dangerous." And yeah, and yet I realized I needed to just relax a little, and I needed to mm-hmm. let her get hit with a ball on occasion, you know, if, if that's what happened, I needed to let her grow and Mm -hmm. let her go and not be so protective of her. And we also did a lot at our zoo. They had a lot of programs for kids. And that was Jillian's big epiphany about peripheral vision because she hopped in the car one day and she said, I am an owl. And I said, an owl, like the bird, the owl. And she goes, huh. they have to turn their head to see to the side. They don't have oh. side vision. And she goes, I don't have side vision. I have to turn my head to see. And I thought, wow, that's huh. so perceptive for like an eight-year-old kid yep. to know and figure that out. And so I loved homeschooling. I really did. It was really the children that wanted to go back and have more friends. Yep. And more activities and do things we couldn't do at home, like learn a musical instrument, be in a choir, be in a play, you know, those kinds of things. And so that's after we were told that Jillian was fine after the patching and before vision therapy is when we started her in regular school.
0: Yeah. And that's great. She had that time at home with you to wear the patch and not have to worry about ridicule. Um you know, for all we've said about patching so far to just to not feel like that was one more thing she had to carry along with everything else. So that's a It's a great reason to homeschool for a season. And we were grateful to be able to do the same when our kids are, were we doing that. Okay. So I know we're getting kind of to the end here, Robin. So I have a bit of a soft fall question for you, but I want to make sure we're super clear on this point because it was something I certainly wasn't aware of going into parenthood. Uh, and that is what age should parents seek out vision therapy? Um, and is a pediatric eye exam sufficient to pointing out any eye challenges or, you know, what has been your experience? And then I'll throw in mine when you're done.
1: Okay. I would like to let everyone know about a program that the American Optometric Association has. It's called Infant C. And the very best thing that we can do, this program came out in 2005, so it didn't exist when Jillian was a baby. Um, It's free eye exams for children 6 to 12 months old. And that is the very best place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I would say after that, um, a comprehensive eye exam with an optometrist, not your pediatrician's office, not your ophthalmologist's office, but an optometrist's office, because they are really focused on vision, whereas ophthalmologists are concerned about the eye health. And Jillian's eyes are healthy. It has nothing to do with that. It is an eye-brain connection issue. And I found it really interesting that 50% of our neural tissue is directly or indirectly related to vision and everything that happens in our brain comes through our eyes. And so I would say that's where you need to start. And as far as age, about three, three, four, five. But again, we're never too old. I know a 58-year-old woman who cried on the phone to me recently that she's able to read to her grandchildren, Mm -hmm. and she's never really been able to read very well. And you know, it doesn't matter if we're five or 55 vision therapy can work. And I would definitely recommend it.
0: Yeah. And I would echo that and, and add to it that I think one of the things that's been most amazing for me, you know, you referenced six to 12 months an eye exam. It seems ridiculous, right? What are they asking a six-year-old to say? They can't even talk. You know, is it an apple or a house, right? They they can't even respond. But but doctors have uh, the optometrists have such spectacular tools at their disposal now with prisms and just the most random little gadgets that you feel like they probably bought at Goodwill somewhere. But but in combination uh, with grasping and uh, the way their eyes can travel and focus on objects or what they do as it comes close to their nose or away. There's so much that they're able to understand about how the infant sees, and so much that can be done from a young age. Um, there's a really cool video on YouTube right now um, about uh, what happens when an infant sees his mom's face for the first time. He can't even stand, he's in a little walker, and they slide glasses on him and he starts to cry. And she goes over to console him, and then his eyes turn to her and he sees her for the very first time. And he just beams at her um, because he can actually. Make out her face. You can try to YouTube some of those descriptions and see it for for those listening. But um, children at any age can certainly be tested. and then if if there's family history of any eye issues, uh, it's great to just assume they're they're passed down through the gene pool. For us, we have all four grandparents and both parents of our kids all wear glasses. So we just kind of considered it was a given and took them in from the time they were tiny and certainly haven't regretted doing that. So for those listening, can't do it too early. You surely, surely can't hurt them. And uh, like you were mentioning, Robin, there is this program available now. Can you tell us about it one more time where parents can find it?
1: It's through the AOA, um, mm-hmm. the American Optometric Association infant C the C is S E E. So it's okay. infant And that's where you can go for an infant eye exam. Babies are very expressive. Mm -hmm. So they'll hold up a little stuffed animal and see, you know, if the child sees it and expresses like some kind of emotion or their expression changes, they realize that they're focusing on it. If they don't, that's something that you need to watch for. So they can definitely do baby exams. It's amazing. I agree with you. It's kind of a surprise, but it works.
0: Yeah, it does. How well they can grasp the objects in front of them or find it with their fist or whatever. It's It's pretty incredible. Okay. So in wrapping up today, then uh, Robin, and I always want to call you Jillian. I have to stop myself because of your book titles. What final thoughts do you have for a friend listening today who might be new to the idea of, you know, either seeking out non-traditional therapies or non-traditional education models like homeschooling or helping their child who has unique learning needs of some kind. And the parents just maybe doesn't even feel equipped to handle that.
1: Well, I would say that there are a lot of professionals out there that have um, the skills to point us in the right direction if we just go searching for them and know what questions to ask. And I would say keep asking questions and keep um, investigating, keep searching and cause it's, it will really pay off. And I said earlier to keep an open mind. I remember my husband saying, why is she playing with golf tees again? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> how much does this cost? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, it's working. Do not question it. It's working. Mm-hmm. And you, if it, if you find something like that, and say about vision therapy, I mentioned earlier, this changed so much. If you looked at it five or 10, 12 years ago, look at it again. There's virtual reality aspects to it. There's amazing home computer programs now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely um, value in seeking a second opinion, a third opinion to go back and look at it again, even if you discredit it once before. Um that's my advice is having your child, um, achieve things in life and be happy is worth It's Well, it's just priceless. Is it, it not? Is. So, yeah. um, I think, uh, that would be my advice. You said it earlier. Moms don't give up. We don't, we may sit down and relax for a minute, but we just don't give up.
0: That's right. Not when it's about our kids. And and dads too. For you dads listening, we know you're fighting for your kids too and so important. So, Robin, thank you so much for talking with me today about what you've gone through these past well, I thought it was 16 years, but it's it's far longer now in your 20s. Um both in your career as mom and author and home educator. I really appreciate your transparency in this journey and and especially in your books when you talk through, you know, sometimes how hard it is or how hard it's been for you personally and and guilt, or, you know, just grace and the balance between those. So I know your resources are going to be an encouragement to many. And for those listening, it's Robin Benoit. And you want to look for Jillian's story when you're looking for the books. So thank you for being here.
1: It was my pleasure. I hope it's been
0: helpful. I'm sure it will be. And friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you're walking away from this conversation feeling equipped to better teach the ones you love. See you next time. Thanks for joining Ann Crossman on our podcast, helping you homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this and we are here to help. We invite you to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date on the latest resources. See you next time.